Welcome to the Tim Plummer Joomla Show. Joomla news and tips to help your website grow. Sit back, relax, and grab yourself a beer. Let some Joomla love flow into your ears. Welcome to episode four. I'm your host, Tim Plummer, but you, more importantly, are a motivated Joomla user. In this episode, we're going to celebrate Joomla's birthday. We're going to talk about a listener question on JavaScript, and we're also going to be talking about maintaining a Joomla website. But first, let's start with the Joomla news. You might have heard that someone's having a birthday, an 11th birthday, and that would be Joomla Project. Some people celebrate the Joomla's birthday on the 17th of August, which is the date that Joomla officially split from Mambo. And then you've got the other group of people that celebrate Joomla's birthday on the 22nd of September, which is the date that Joomla 1 was actually released and, and the name Joomla was announced. So it's up to you whether you celebrate the, the birthday, if you've already celebrated the birthday, or, or whether you will celebrate it in September. Or you can celebrate both, why not? But regardless, Joomla's turning 11, which is really great news. If you want to celebrate Joomla's birthday, there's a, a website started by Brian Teeman, I believe. Uh, it's called spreadthejoomlalove.com slash joomla11. And over there, you can uh, talk about how uh, Joomla changed your life. And you can also, on social media, share the, the Joomla hashtag hashtag Joomla11 to celebrate Joomla's birthday. So I encourage you to uh, talk about Joomla's birthday, get the news out there, because, yeah, it's, it's an important milestone. Now for a listener question. I've got a tweet from a listener. Uh, that The username is A-R-M-A-N-D-O-L-T-X. Don't ask me how to pronounce it, but anyway. And... This listener is asking, Hello, if I want to add some JavaScript functionality to my Joomla site, where is the file for it? Great question. So, there's quite a few different ways that you can actually add JavaScript into Joomla. Uh, if you're looking at the core API, there's actually three methods of, of adding JavaScript. So, the first way would be doing inline JavaScript. And if you're doing inline JavaScript in, in your code, uh, you can use the jfactory get document uh, and then the, the method in there, the add script declaration. And that will allow you to add some inline JavaScript into your, your code. Another method of including JavaScript is by linking to an external file. So the way you do that is with jfactory get document and using the add script, and, and that allows you to add your JavaScript code uh, from a, an external file into your application or into the Joomla site. If you wanted that JavaScript to apply to every single page on your site, you may want to add that into your template, maybe in the index.php file of your template. But if you only want this JavaScript to apply on specific pages, maybe only when you're running a particular component, then you may add it to that component's code or you may create a template override for, for the view that you want it to appear in and, and add in your custom uh, code in there. Normally these JavaScript files, they're 
located in the media folder. And then if it's for a particular component, you'd have slash media slash component name. So com widget slash JS for JavaScript and then slash um, the file name, whatever you call it. Now, another way, uh, instead of using the add script function to add it, you can also use the jhtml script uh, code, which allows you to also link to an external file. So that's another way that you can include JavaScript in there. Uh, the third way that you can actually include JavaScript is using a, a JavaScript framework, uh, such as um, MooTools or, or jQuery or something like that. If you wanted to include jQuery, for instance, you can use the jhtml uh, colon colon underscore and then in brackets with the speech mark things, jQuery.framework. And, and that allows you to add in jQuery into your code. Um, th there's also the, the bootstrap.framework, which you can load up as, as well. Um, by default, that's already loaded in the back end of Joomla, but uh, some people like to use bootstrap in their front end templates as well, so you can load that up too. Now, another way of loading JavaScript, if your component that you want to add the JavaScript to is written in framework on framework, there's actually a function in there, fof template utils, colon, colon, add js. And, and that allows you to add a, a JavaScript file, which is similar to uh, the, the, the core Joomla way of adding JavaScript. But the advantage of using the, the framework and framework add script, uh, add js method is that um, you can actually create media overrides for those files. So if you developed a component and released it and the customer wanted to make some changes to that JavaScript, rather than hacking the, the core files of your component, they can create a media override in a similar sort of way to the way you'd create a template override for a view. It's just in your template itself. Normally with a template override, you put in the HTML folder within your template, but for a media override, you create a media folder within your template. So if the, the file that you're overriding is, say, um, com widget slash js slash uh, frontend.js, then your override would be in your templates folder and then media slash uh, com underscore widget slash js slash whatever the, the JavaScript file name is, so frontend.js, whatever it was. And that will allow you to make changes to that file without uh, having to worry about them being lost during updates. So the next thing we're going to be talking about is maintaining a Joomla website. Now this is an important topic because quite often I come across web developers who have developed a website for a customer and they've gone live with the site and then the customer buggers off and they never hear from them again uh, until maybe six months time when the, the customer's website's been hacked and they come back to the, the web developer quite angry that, hey, my website's been hacked. Um, why are you giving me this insecure crap? That's not a good situation to be in. It gives Joomla a really bad reputation if uh, sites aren't maintained properly and, and they become vulnerable because people haven't kept them up to date. So as a uh, web developer, it would be your responsibility to educate the client before you even start the website that any open source platform for building a website needs to be maintained and you can't just build it once and forget about it forever because at some point in time a, a new vulnerability may be identified 
and your site may become vulnerable. Some challenges you may face when you're educating the client is, uh, first of all, that the client may not see the value of, of having ongoing maintenance. They might think, oh, I've just paid you several thousand dollars to, to build this site for me. Why should I keep paying you forever? You need to educate them as, as to why the importance of maintenance, and we'll go into that a little bit more in a minute. Another challenge that you may face is, as a developer, you may not have time to manage all these sites that you develop. That, that can be a challenge if, if you're pumping out lots and lots of sites. If you're not charging for the maintenance, then of course it's going to be lower priority for you. We'll talk about that as well. The next thing that you may be wondering is, how much should I charge for the maintenance? That can be a, a quite an interesting topic because people have got different ways that they may go about charging it. And the next question you may be asking yourself is, what regular tasks should I do to maintain the website? Let's go into each of those points in a little bit more detail. First of all, the educating the client. When the client doesn't see the value in having a website maintained and doesn't understand why they need to uh, have a maintenance agreement and, and pay ongoing maintenance costs. You can educate them to let them know that to keep the website operating in peak condition, you need to keep it maintained. An analogy would be you wouldn't buy a brand new car and then never service it because, yeah, sure, it might work for a while and um, go really well, but after you've done a certain amount of kilometres, uh, things start to wear out or need to be replaced or checked, that sort of thing. And eventually, if you never get it serviced, the car will just completely die and it'll be no use to anyone. Now, a website can be a similar sort of uh, situation as that. If you never maintain a website, at some point in time, there may be a, a vulnerability released um, in the PHP version that you're using on that server, or or maybe th there's a, a core vulnerability uh, identified, or one of the extensions you're using may become vulnerable, and someone may end up hacking that site and taking advantage of, of that vulnerability. So it's it's very important to to keep it up to date. Um, the other aspect is disaster recovery. So if something goes wrong, maybe the client goes in and accidentally deletes something they shouldn't have, or um, they have a uh, an employee maintaining the site, and that employee leaves and doesn't provide them with passwords or whatever, or even someone internally maliciously going in and, and damaging the content, deleting things, or uh, there's a a lot of different scenarios where disaster recovery might come into play. Um, maybe your web host goes out of business. Maybe the data center that your uh, server's stored in is, is gets hit by a natural disaster and, and the data's lost. Maybe uh, there's a hard disk failure on the, on the server and uh, so there's some data loss there. So there's lots of different reasons why you'd need disaster recovery. So that's an important aspect of, of having the maintenance agreement and, and regular maintenance is that you'll have a plan in place as to how you're going to be backing up this data and, and, and how you can restore it if there is a uh, disaster recovery event. The next um, concern people have is that I, I just don't have time to, to maintain the website. I've, I spend all my time developing and I just yeah don't want to maintain the sites I build. If you are in that situation, I've got some good news for you. There's actually some tools available 
that will help you manage multiple sites and it actually doesn't take a lot of time so you can um, leverage the, these tools and still provide a good service but without having to put in too much effort yourself. There's a lot of things you can automate these days. Uh, you can automate the, the backups, you can make them reg regularly uh, backup off-site in case there is something wrong with the, the physical location of that server. The other thing to consider is that if you don't have time for it, you can make time. And the way that you can make time is making it worth your while. If you're giving your maintenance away for free, then it's always going to be a low priority because there's only so much you can do for free and you need to put food on the table, you need to survive. So if you actually charge for the maintenance and make sure that you're charging uh, relative to the amount of time and effort it's going to take you to maintain them, then it's going to be worth your while to maintain these sites. Um, it's going to be a, a residual form of income that if you've got lots and lots of sites you're maintaining, then you've got that regular money coming in. And uh, if you're getting paid for your time, then it'll be worth your while and you will find the time to do it. So that, that's an important aspect there. Then there's a situation where you may have the time, but you just got no interest in maintaining the sites. Um, you only really want to spend all your time um, building new things. Uh, so in that scenario, you can either outsource that uh, maintenance to another company, or you can uh, leverage offshore resources. You can build your own internal team, but with um, lower cost uh, offshore resources that can do this maintenance for you. Um, and you obviously pay them for their time and that will be less than the amount that you're charging your, your client for, for this uh, maintenance time. So, yeah, that's one way to uh, avoid it if, if you just think you don't have the time yourself. Okay, the next thing is what maintenance task should I actually do? Now, th there's some things that you should definitely do, some things that um, you may want to exclude. It really depends on your relationship with the client, the type of site it is, and uh, what um, work you actually want to do. Now, if it was up to me, I would ex specifically exclude things like uh, pay-per-click advertising, content marketing, um, social, social media campaigns, that sort of thing, because um, I don't see them as regular maintenance. They're sort of separate, and sure, you can still do these things for your client, but personally, I'd be doing those, charging them separately, and keeping them... Um, different from your maintenance. Now, as, as far as what you should do for maintenance, um, obviously backing up is really important. If you're not sure how regularly to update, to do a backup of the uh, site, then I would by default just do a, a daily off-site backup. It's really easy to do these days. Uh, you can automate it and uh, online storage is really, really cheap. So if you're, say, using a Kiva backup to, to do the backup and you have a, a cron job that automatically runs each day to, to do that backup, you can have it backing up to a remote source like Amazon Web Services. And that is actually really cheap. Like, it, it's only a couple of dollars a month and you can literally back up gigabytes of, of data. So it's yeah, very affordable and very easy to set up. Now, it's important to remember that an untested backup is as good as no backup. So you should make sure that the backup is actually backing up all the files that it should 
and that you can recover from that file in the event of a disaster. Okay, the next thing that you should definitely do is all the software updates. So whenever there's a, a new Joomla core version released, you should uh, update that as part of the maintenance. And also all the extensions that are used on the sites, you should keep them up to date as well. Um, not only are you benefiting from any security fixes, but you may get some new features in there that uh, the, the site could, could benefit from. Some people do website monitoring as part of their maintenance. Uh, they may monitor the uptime of the website and uh, report back on, on how um, much downtime or uh, availability that the site's had. And some people also include support in their maintenance agreement. They may give um, 30 minutes of support for free as part of their, their maintenance just for, for very small changes, maybe um, unpublishing a menu item, minor text edits, just simple things. Um, obviously, if the client comes to you and, and wants something significant, then you would charge separately for that. If they came to you and said, oh, I want to completely rebrand the site and do a new template, then you're not going to do that for free as part of your maintenance agreement. So um, you need to set clear expectations with your customers to, to what's included, what's not included, and uh, that'll just make your life so much easier later on. The next thing to consider is how much should I charge for the maintenance? Now, there's different ways that you can charge. Um, I've heard of quite a few different pricing models. Um, one way that people often do it is to include the maintenance cost as part of the initial project cost. So let's say, for example, the, um, the website cost $10,000 to build. They may factor in a 10% a um, uh, maintenance fee based on that project size. So a $10,000 website, they may charge $1,000 for the maintenance. And that might be for a um, two or three year period, whatever the, the period um, that you agree with the customer. And then after that maintenance period is over, uh, then you may charge an additional fee. So that's one way of doing it. And another way of doing it is just having a, a, an annual cost. And that annual cost can be um, either based on the size and complexity of the site, or it could be just a, a fixed rate, uh, depending on, on what you're actually doing and, uh, and the type of site that you're maintaining. Another way of pricing is to just have a, a monthly fee so that the, the cost is spread over a, a greater period of time. Um, if you look at a lot of web hosts, they charge uh, by the month. That they also have annual costs that might save 10% or, or something like that if you pay upfront, um, but they have the option of, of paying per month. So it's something customers are, are used to, and it's, it's a lot easier to justify a, a smaller regular fee than a large one up uh, upfront fee. The important thing to, to remember is to, to consider how much time it's actually going to take you to do the maintenance and make sure that you charge accordingly to make it worth your while. Another thing that sometimes people include in their maintenance agreement is subscription costs. So let's say, for instance, you've got a Kiba backup, the professional version installed on the site. Um, there's obviously a annual subscription cost to keep that extension up to date. Quite often the developer will purchase a, an extension such as a Kiba and then use it on multiple sites so they can spread that cost over multiple clients. And uh, that way the subscription cost per customer is a lot less and they don't need to charge as much for that in their, their maintenance agreement. 
Um, some other people may charge the, the full amount per site, like if it's a, um, a 50 euro uh, subscription, they may add that to the, the cost of, of the, the annual maintenance for the site and, and do that for each extension that, that they're using. So it, it really depends on, on how you want to price it and how transparent you want to be with the customers to the, uh, the costs that you're incurring to maintain the site. Um, completely up to you. Okay, website monitoring. So besides the uptime and downtime of a site, you can also monitor whenever there's file changes on the sites. Now, uh, there's tools available to do this that will notify you when a, a core file's changed or when a new file's been added to the server. So that may be something that you consider doing as part of your maintenance because obviously if you're keeping track of the, the files that are changing and you see something suspicious, then you can go in there and, and fix that up as soon as possible rather than waiting till it, it becomes a problem down the track. Okay, now a lot of these things that, that we've talked about in, in the maintenance uh, are things that the customer doesn't actually see. Uh, some of it's automated um, or, or just things in the background that they, they may not see the, the, the value in what you're doing each month. So this is where I think it's really important to have a monthly report for your customer. So you can tell them all the different uh, extensions that you've updated, the, the core version updates you've applied, uh, any other improvements or fixes you've made to the site. And what I like to do is actually include just some little extra value in, in that um, monthly maintenance. So each month you might just focus on one little thing and just do something that's going to slightly improve the site, uh, not take a lot of time for yourself, but uh, give the, the customer some value so they can see that they're getting something each month for, for this uh, fee that they're paying out. So an example of that is uh, maybe one month you might focus on the fav icon and check to make sure that the site's got an appropriate fav icon if it doesn't create one and if it's already got one just make sure that, it, that it's uh, displaying correctly and, and is a suitable representation of, of the brand of, of that site. Uh, another example of something you might do is uh, you might do a security audit. You may run a, a security tool on it that checks for malware or for suspicious uh, code in, in the files. That, that could be something you do one month. Uh, another month you may update the metadata and make sure that the um, all the menus have appropriate meta title and description on the site. And that doesn't take a lot of time but it can add a lot of value for, for SEO and, and help improve the uh, search engine uh, findability of, of that site. Another example is one month you may focus on sitemap. Make sure that the, the site actually has a sitemap installed. Um, make sure it's got a sitemap.xml in the root so that search engines that don't specifically know about the sitemap can discover it. Uh, you may want to make sure that all the, the pages that should be displaying in the sitemap are appearing and that there aren't any appearing that, that shouldn't be, that are hidden or uh, maybe they're member-only access or that sort of thing. So um, that's another example of, of a, just a little thing that you can do. It doesn't take a lot of time but can add a lot of value. So to do all this maintenance, there's tools available that are going to help you uh, do this and, and automate some of these tasks to, to make it easier on self. Um, I personally use Watchful, so W-A-T-C-H-F-U-L dot L-I. And 
what that does is you add your Joomla sites to Watchful and install a plugin on the site and that allows your Joomla site to talk to, to Watchful and, and communicate. It does things like um, notifying you when there's a new version of an extension available. It'll allow you to do all the updates through that, that Watchful interface in one go. So if you've got 10 sites and you need to install the new version of Akiba on all 10 sites, you can actually upload that file into Watchful and inst install it onto all those sites in one, just in one click sort of thing. So it, it's, it makes it very easy to, to do things on multiple sites there. Um, it's got a, a built-in audit tool that does... Um, just a, a basic order on, on some recommendations that you might want to fix up on the site. You can use it to trigger the, the, the backup jobs instead of having to write a cron job in your cPanel to, to trigger those daily backups. You can actually use Watchful to, to schedule those automatic backups. It does things like monitoring uptime of the site, so when the, the site goes down, it'll send you a, a notification. So it's, it's a really handy tool. Um, it's not free, it's actually uh, a paid service, but it's quite cheap um, compared to what you're doing, and you would factor the, the cost of, of using tools like this into whatever you're charging for the maintenance. You can go have a look on their website, see what their pricing's like. Um, I'm not associated with them at all, so yeah, that's just who I use. The other alternate to using Watchful is myjumla.com. Now, myjoomla.com is, it was originally more security focused. Um, Phil Taylor in the UK, he um, developed this site and he has a service where he fixes up hacked websites and he built some tools to, to make it easier to identify the hacks and to repair the, the hacked files of the site. And he's turned that into a, a service where people can add, add their site to it in a similar sort of way to Watchful and and do security audits on the site. But since then, he's also added some monitoring capabilities and uh, ability to check for updates, things like that. So um, it does similar sort of things to Watchful and some people swear by, by Joomla and some people swear by Watchful. Some people may use both. Uh, completely up to you, but um, I encourage you to, to check out both tools and, and see what uh, suits your needs better. Uh, and another extension that you may use to, to help maintain your site is BFSEO. Now, obviously, full disclaimer, I'm the developer of BFSEO. And what BFSEO allows you to do is to easily maintain the, the metadata of your site. So you can, on a single screen, see all the menu items on the site and update the titles and descriptions really, really easily. Um, it also has the ability to build a site map. So if you just need a, a basic site map, it can do that. Um, it's got some other features like checking to make sure that you've got a robot.txt file and if you don't, allowing you to easily create one. Um, it'll uh, also, for the HD access file, you can check to see if you've got a HD access file and if not, create a basic one. So um, it, it's, it's a handy tool that uh, can save you time when you're maintaining sites. Uh, so I encourage you to check it out. There's actually a, a free trial version if you want to try it at tamlinsoftware.com. So I encourage you to go on there, sign up for a free trial, try it out and uh, let me know what you think. So that's about it for the ep this episode. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Go along and check out the show notes at 
www.ep4.com.au slash ep4. And if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, you can find the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, leave me a, a rating and review to help other people find the, this podcast. If you want to leave me any comments, you can leave me, me comments on the show notes, uh, timplumber.com.au slash ep4. There's a form there where you can uh, post any comments, questions, feedback, anything like that. Uh, if you have a, a question you'd like me to answer in a future episode, please get in touch and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you.